Well, Happy New Year, everyone. It is good to be together. Those of you joining us online, those of you up at our DeForest campus, Northside Madison, and across the way in the chapel, good to be together. It was a great Christmas. Thank you for bringing lots of friends and guests. We saw lots of new faces. And thankfully, we also saw people trusting Christ for the first time in their life over Christmas, and we celebrate that. Thanks, too, for your generosity. Just a great, great, generous offering to the Christmas offering, which goes all outside of the church to our partners here and uh, afar off in places like Rwanda, Honduras, and Haiti. And it was a big, big Christmas for our family because we welcomed another grandson, so little Charlie Waits joined the family, and uh, we're excited. Lori's helping Laura and her family even now and wishes to be here and sends her love. So for those of you who are guests today, today's message is, is different, okay? It's a different message. Typically right now, I'd be getting into a passage. We're in the book of Acts right now trying to explain what God is saying and teaching in his words so we understand its bearing in our life. So today I have an important personal message, and it talks all about what we've been singing about, what we've been celebrating, and that is God's faithfulness. If you will, it's my story of grace. Now parts of this a bunch of you know, and parts of it some you'll go, no, did, didn't know that, and for those of you guests, you, it's all new for you. So I grew up in a Christian family. My parents immigrated from Switzerland. A unique thing in my home is I had three sisters, and uh, there were three languages spoken in my home. My dad was from the French part of Switzerland, my mother from the German part, and I would continually remind them that we live in America and should probably speak English. So my oldest sister was actually born in Switzerland and the rest of us here in the States. I don't ever remember a time in my life where I didn't know Jesus, but that significantly changed when at the age of five or six, uh, my Sunday school teacher at Winneka Bible Church presented the gospel and invited the children to respond, which I did, and Jesus became my personal savior. And that relationship with Christ as a young, young boy, it was as real as any relationship in my life. When I was 14 years of age, I knew that God wanted me to be a pastor. It came at a very unlikely time. If you knew me then, you would say, no way, that could not be the case. I had just come through a very, very turbulent sixth, seventh, in eighth grade where I was in constant trouble. I was supposed to go to camp that summer for two weeks, but I did something, I forget, and I lost one of those weeks. But nonetheless, I went to one of my favorite places that I go to in the summer, Camp Mayoka. Camp Mayoka is a Bible camp, is a church camp from the historic Moody Church in Chicago, and I couldn't wait to go to camp. And it was a blast as I expected. And God used that week at camp to just grab my heart. I don't think it was the message, and I'm sure they were great, but it was through the counselors, these college students, that had this infectious, uh, infectious love of Christ and just a ton of fun. And God not only drew me back to himself, but in a very real way, I knew at age 14, God wanted me to be a pastor 
That's 50 years ago, guys. 50 years ago. So um, I've been a pastor for 42 years now. My um, first job wasn't really a paid job. I just volunteered to do the junior high ministry at my home church when I started seminary. And then after the third year of seminary, Lori's put me through school. You just, you don't know where you're going. You don't have a job, so you put your resume everywhere. There's a prof, Harold O.J. Brown, Dr. Brown, who was going to take a church in Switzerland. I've got Swiss citizenship, dual nationality. He said, Mark, you'd be perfect. You're going into youth ministry. I need a youth pastor. Why don't you come with me? I said, that'd be awesome. So I couldn't believe Lori agreed. But here we go. We're going to go to Switzerland. But we, we fill it all out. My mother's helped me fill out the application in German. And I get word back that, hey, we'd love to have you come over uh, to be a pastor. We have so many open pulpits. We need preaching pastors. If you'd like to come and preach, that'd be great. Otherwise, we're not really interested in you coming as a youth pastor. So that door closed. Now, I just heard a couple years ago, and I didn't even remember this, that my application was in this church back when it was called Buckeye Church, on someone's dining room table, I was applying for an open youth pastor position here. Can you figure that out? I mean, unbelievable. Didn't even know that. But in, in his providence, here's where God led us. He led us to a place called Wheaton, Illinois, and we served there for 23 years. We thought, hey, it'd be great to go for six, see those seventh graders graduate from high school. And God had other plans, and we were there for 23 years. I was a youth pastor. I was a Christian ed pastor. I was a family ministry pastor, then a senior associate pastor helping with the day-to-day -day ministries of the church. And then 17 years ago, came here to Door Creek Church serving on staff as a lead pastor. So over the last three years, God has been nudging me and Lori out of our comfort zone. We've had a lot of conversations, Lori and I. We've prayed together. We've talked with our family. In the last year and a half, a lot with our leadership board, the stewardship board. By nature, I move fast, can make decisions pretty quickly. This has not been one of those decisions. So here it is. I've decided to retire this year, effective April 30th, believing wholeheartedly that this is what God is asking me to do at this time in my life. And this is really important because there's something about human nature we're always looking for the other story, or we call it the back story, which we think is the true story, the real story. This is the story. God led Lori and I here 17 years ago, and he's made it clear that this is the time to step aside. And so we're following God's call. This is a good story. This is a God story. And it's a story that involves change. It involves change for me, it involves change for us as a church. So this is one of the really important things I want you to remember as we face a, a year where there's going to be some change that we know about right now. When life brings change, trust the one who doesn't. Trust God. He's good. We've just been singing about that. He's in control. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God's in control. 
This has always been his church, not my church. Jesus Christ is the head of this church. He's the rightful head, the scriptures say, throughout ages across the globe and right now over Door Creek. And so he has our best in mind, your best, my best, and our best as a church as we move forward. Let me back up and share how we got here. This is really interesting, very unexpected. I'm flying home from Africa. Mark Deering and I had been visiting our partners first in Kenya with Compassion and then in Rwanda with Wonderful World Relief, seeing the work. I've been so sick on these international trips, usually because of this long journey home after a lot of adrenaline that I've made it a practice Hey, I'm going to break it up. I've got family in Switzerland. I'm going to take a few days to just rest and recuperate. I asked Mark if he'd like to do that. I, I said, why don't you pray about it? And he said in two seconds, sure. <laughs> so we went to Switzerland. We had a lot of chocolate and cheese and bread. and It was all good. Mark left a little early. I'm flying home. I'm on the flight from Zurich to O'Hare. And I just sense God saying to me, it's sooner than later. Now, that could mean a lot of things if you hear that, but I knew exactly what that meant. Now, if you'd asked me at the time, do you have a retirement plan? i say, no. We're not talking about retirement. I don't even believe in retirement. Uh, but if I had a plan, I think I'd go 20 years. It just sounds like a nice round number. I'll be 68. Man, I got a lot of energy. I love what I do. That would be my plan. And the Lord clearly said, no, it's sooner than later. I still have the notes of all these things that I started writing out on the flight uh, if I retire here in the summer of 2023. So at the advice of some wise counsel, Lori and I said, well, let's not say anything and let's just pray about it and let's kind of revisit it. Three years is still a ways away. And uh, so a year later, right in the middle of COVID, we doubled back and we both had this settled peace that yes, this is what God is clearly asking us to do. So when I say I heard a voice, for some of us, it's going, what are you talking about? So um, I didn't hear an audible voice. I didn't look out the window of the airplane, and I saw in the clouds written, it's sooner than later. Not like that. But God's speaking, his spirit in us, right? Speaking to my spirit. And there's been a few times, three or four times in my life, where I had that clear sense, this is what God wants me to do. I want you to be a pastor. He's 14. 12 years ago, when our oldest daughter was coming home for Christmas and got T-boned, and her life hung in the balance, and it was the int most intense situation I've ever been in. And the Lord said, she's going to be all right. She's going to make it. And then on a flight home from Zurich, it's sooner than later. So almost two years ago, I started talking about this with the board chair, Bob Andrew, the vice chair, Doug Fast. And in the fall of 21, the three of us started reading books and talking. And we looked in some organizations that actually lead churches through this kind of transition. And then a little over a year ago, the full board began this conversation in earnest. We hired a seasoned, respected experienced leader who had taken large organization 
organizations that were national organizations, including large churches, through this very thing, and he worked with us. And he came up with a very detailed report to guide us. And so according to the plan, on November 1st, six months before I would be stepping down, I gave official notice to our board, and now's the time for the church family to catch up with the news. So there's been some really interesting things that have been bouncing around my head. One of the things is, this is normal, but it's unusual. So I've never retired before, right? Um, But we know people retire. We know organizations change leadership. For us as a church family, there hasn't been a change for 18 years when Pastor Brad Smith, before me, suddenly, unexpectedly passed away. It's been 30 years since the last pastor at Door Creek retired from pastoral ministry. And yet, throughout our 58-year history as a church, God has been faithful to us at every turn. So when life brings change, trust the one who doesn't. So this week, you're going to hear more about the process the board has outlined to identify our next lead pastor. And we have a plan that has been carefully and prayerfully put together and an experienced firm, a guide, that has guided hundreds of organizations over the last 16 years. We aren't experts in this. We don't have experience. I've never been part of a church where there's been this kind of a transition. And so we were pleased to hire N.L. Moore and Associates, Nancy Moore, and her firm to help and guide us. And already she has and her staff been wonderful. So there's a temptation right now for you to do this. To go, I'm just going to see, like, this is a big deal. What's going to happen here at Door Creek? And I want to encourage you to do this right now, not this right now. To actually to lean in. To trust God. Because here's the deal. DeMar Hamlin had no idea when he suited up on Monday night what that day would hold. And the reality is, you might think this is the biggest change in your life. It probably isn't this year. And so I want you to be engaged with God in a posture of trust, in a posture of togetherness of God's people, pursuing our vision of being a Christ-centered church for all people, where the power of the gospel is continually transforming lives, renewing our city, and changing the world. Now's the time for us to be leaning in to prayer, to extending grace, to continually giving of ourselves in community, in relationship with our gifts, our time, and our talents. So one of the things that N.L. Moore and Associates really leans on to better understand who we are and where we are as a church to make sure there's a really good fit for us is by taking an in-depth survey. I'll underline in-depth. So don't think it's a five-minuter. It's not a college church. I mean, excuse me. Whoa, that was a weird one. It's not a Door Creek Church uh, survey that's kind of short. 
it's, it's longer. But starting today, I'm going to send you an email. If you don't get emails from the church, because we don't know who you are, so fill out a communication card if you're one of our campuses right here. Or if you're online, just go to doorcreek.info and fill out that Connect communication card. And we'll make sure you are in the loop as well. So later today, an email from me that will have an, an assessment there, the church assessment survey there for you to fill out. We only have two weeks to do that, and we need a good sample. So um, thanks in advance for filling that out. The board is really committed to clear and consistent communication. We are setting up a, a, a page on our website. You'll see it on the home page towards the bottom. It's on the right-hand side there, and it says Lead Pastor Transition. And this afternoon, sometime after two or three, you can connect there. They'll have all the information. There's a robust, frequently asked questions that you probably have at a time like this. The communications, the assessments, it's all there. will be continually updated. That will be your best source of clear communication. We encourage you to take advantage of it. So we have a faithful God who has always led this church. Our leadership has a plan. We have hired an experienced guide. And I can assure you that God has graciously given us an outstanding group of leaders from our board to our staff, godly women and men who love Christ and love this church and who love you. The board's been praying over this matter well over a year. We've recently, in the last weeks now, have added fasting and prayer it's something that's taught in the scripture so that we can focus in and just bring this whole matter and all that is involved in that before God. And any of you want to join us, we'd love to have you join us as well. Let me say this. We have an amazing staff here that I've had the privilege to serve alongside of creative, resilient, like COVID-tested, resilient, fun, gifted, loving Committed to seeing more and more people become devoted followers of Jesus. So on top of this, this church exists because of each of you. And so I'm so grateful for your love, your service, your prayers, your care, your generosity, your mercy, all given to the glory of God. So the plan is I'm going to continue to lead our church until April 30th. I don't know what the word lame duck is means and not going to find out. So the board has been very clear. Mark, you're to lead until you're no longer our leader. Our teaching team will continue to teach and teach well beyond April 30th, and we will continue to carry out the mission and vision of this church across our campuses, north side to forest. So this is important. I was a Christ follower before... God called me to be a pastor. I was a Christ follower before I went to Bethel College to study the Bible to be a pastor. And then I was a follower of Jesus before I went to seminary and got a master's in divinity. I was a follower of Jesus before Lori and I joined the staff at College Church and became a full-time pastor for the first time. That's who I am. I'm a follower of Jesus. Being a pastor 
is what he's asked me to do as his follower these last 42 years. And so the plan is, Lori and I are going to continually follow Jesus and do whatever he asks us to do. So I, I need a break. 42 years is a long time. I don't even know what it all means to me physically, emotionally, spiritually to not be a pastor. I don't even know what that's like. But I know I need six months to renew, to refresh, to hit reset. Super excited about that. And then for Lori and I to keep following Jesus for whatever he has next in our life. I'm not moving to Florida. <laughs> I'm not trying to work on my golf game. That's never going to happen. So I'm excited about the next chapter in our lives, and I am really excited about the next chapter in our church's life, believing full-heartedly that our best days are still in the future. So I've learned something about change, too, that I didn't expect. Three things came together, and one of these don't fit. Excited, at peace, stressed. I mean, excited about what lies ahead for Lori and I, for the church, at peace, believing God is good, he's in control, he's faithful. Oh, my word. I, I think of Jeremiah, what he wrote in Lamentations 3.23, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, his mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And I feel like that... That's my experience of God throughout my life, through all that's been wonderfully easy, things that have been hard. God has always been faithful. But I wasn't expecting the stress part. There's been no stress with the board. There's, no been, there's been no stress with the staff, but just stress personally. Like, wow, what does this all mean? And you know, we like to know what's around the corner. And the corner right now is a blind corner for me. And so it's, it's brought about some stress. Now, stress is normal as we do life in the midst of this twisted, fallen world. And let me say, stress is normal in the life of faith. So when you think about it, Paul alludes to this when he describes the life of faith as the fight of faith. And the fight of faith has everything to do with the tension and stress between what I know to be true about God, his character, his word, his promises, and what I'm experiencing here in my life. And so there's a tension between what I know to be true, what I believe to be true, and what I'm experiencing right here. And the fight of faith says you're in this tension point where you're going to go one way or the other. You're going to put your trust in God and believe him and believe his promises and believe in his good character or you're going to abandon him and you're going to live here and let your circumstances define what is true and what is real. And so, maybe this year, right now, you're experiencing some of that tension right now. And I wanted to say, well, this is how we build faith. It's, it's a dangerous place because we could chuck it. But this is the good work of God where he builds and grows perseverance and character and faith and more of Jesus in us. And so, you know, if this year is a year that's bringing change for you personally, then 
take God at his word? What does that look like? Well, to remember what God's word says, Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. To remember Jesus' promise, I will build my church, including Door Creek, and the gates of hell will not overcome. To remember God's word, I will never leave you or forsake you, says the Lord. So how I respond, how we respond to change, this change, any kind of change, actually reveals a lot about our, our view of God, about the tenor and fabric of our faith. If we respond to change, as I can do, and you too, with anger, anxiety, fear, frustration, irritability, that has actually sounding an alarm that we've lost sight of God, his character, his perfect track record on our behalf. And so this is a year to lean into God, to find him sufficient for all the 2023 throws at us, remembering that when life brings change, trust the one who doesn't. So last thing, thanks for allowing me the privilege of being your pastor these past 17 years. Thanks for extending grace when I didn't get it right as a leader. Thanks for loving my family. Thanks for praying for me. Those of you who would tell me I pray for you every day, it's, you, you just don't, and what would I always say? Please don't stop. Please don't stop. Thanks for praying. Thanks for loving Jesus and his mission in this world. Thanks for the desire to see more and more people become devoted followers of Jesus. For your part, big or small, in helping Door Creek be a Christ-centered church for all people. I will miss being one of your pastors. But I'm excited for this next chapter in our lives. So I, I want you to stand and we're going to do a closing prayer that's going to involve a scripture. I'm going to read the first part of this prayer from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. And then when we get to that slide that says unison, will you join me as we read this prayer again and then I'll close in a final prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you, Door Creek, with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, Door Creek, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, and together, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.